Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. One thing I know is that I am always making excuses for not reading the Bible. I'm terrible at being consistent about it. Yet I know that's what I need most in life. You'd think that would just be easy to pick up a book and read it, but nope. I usually find literally anything else to do other than reading even for like 10 or 15 minutes. Thankfully, I found a tool that's actually been helpful for being consistent in reading the Bible, and that app's called Dwell. Dwell has built the most beautiful listening and reading experience for the Bible. They've got over a dozen new recordings of the Bible, hand-picked, silky-smooth voices that will engage and inspire you. And they've got the best versions of the Bible, too, like the ESV and NIV. One of the coolest things about Dwell is their read-along experience. Like If you've ever seen Apple Music's lyrics feature, then that's exactly what you can expect from the read-along feature at Dwell. Beautifully designed backgrounds, big, bold text scrolls as the narrator reads to you. If you've got trouble getting in the habit of consistently reading the Bible like me, you should at least give Dwell a try. Go to dwellapp.io slash preachers and sneakers to get 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for life. My wife and I use Dwell all the time as a great alternative to reading the word. As someone who's not great at being organized, the reading plans that they have as well are a helpful tool. So again, to get started with Dwell, go to dwellapp.io slash preachers and sneakers to get 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for life. 33% off means you save 50 bucks. So make sure to visit dwellapp.io slash preachers and sneakers and commit to scripture for the rest of this year or for your life. What it do, baby? It's the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. We're back at it again with another super interesting conversation my good buddy Brian W. Foster drops by the podcast, and we actually streamed it live on Twitch. If you want to check it out, the live stream version of this, head on over to twitch.tv slash preachers and sneakers, just like the Instagram account, and you can check out the full conversation. But anyways, Brian is uh, hes kind of hard to pin down because he's got a lot going on. He's an author. He's a poet. He's a musician. Uh, as an actor, he's a show writer, I guess, and also hosts an incredibly popular show on Twitch called Tox Machina, which is about, it's a recap show for another show where a bunch of voice actors play Dungeons and Dragons together. It's totally random, but it's really interesting. And uh, he was fun to have on the pod. He also has got a background coming up with televangelism and going to Benny Hinn rallies, that kind of stuff. So really interesting uh, dynamic. And he was kind enough to give me some time and give some of his screaming hot takes on the celebrity pastor thing. So I think it'll be interesting to all of you. So thanks for tuning in and let's get right into my conversation with Brian W. Foster. One quick thing before we get into the episode, there was a bit of language. So if you've got kids around, this may not be the best for them, but just wanted you to be aware and you know, I wanted to keep it in there so that this podcast could stay as real as possible. So hope you enjoy it. This is a, I'm just trying to branch out the content, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, you have to, dude, you have to, the, everyone's attention spans are so short and everybody demands, uh, new content (laughs) at every waking moment. As you know, this, yes, they do. And you gotta do, you gotta find a way to, you gotta find a way to do it 
while surviving yourself, because if you shut down, there is no more content. So right. you have to like feed both the, you have to feed both the self and the audience. Uh, and for everyone, that's a different percentile. You right. know, some people can give way more than I can and they don't need as much like relaxing, recharging time, et cetera. You know, for me, I, 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 I gotta have that. I gotta be able to I got to read twice as much as I talk. You know, I have my intake has to be a lot or I, I it's just such a recipe for burnout for me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the demand never stops. And so at a, at a certain point, you just have to say, all right, I'm setting a boundary here. I'm choosing not to be uh, controlled by the desire to want to get engagement or the desire to want to grow or whatever, yep. because that never stops. And so eventually you. You just have to say, all right, 10 hours on Instagram is plenty. Yeah. And <laughs> dude, I know. I mean, you must be, how many hours were you putting in sort of at the, at the height of this? I guess at the height is now, but I mean, almost like when it first started, it was I, crazy. I had a few, uh, shameful, like 11 and 12 hour days where the report yeah. came through. It says your, your Instagram usage has gone up 800% today. <laughs> And all while I'm sitting here, like, trying to stay married. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're on your phone still? Cool, Uh cool, 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 cool. Oh, you're not making any money? Wow, cool, 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 cool. But it's for a good cause. Like, I mean, yeah, I wonder. (laughs) But I've got a blue check, babe. I know, I know. When that happened, I wonder if you were like, is money, you know, because I I always wondered, like, at the beginning of social media, you know, because there's people that just, like, they just make money for posting because they have so many people that follow them that whatever they do, it's like, you know, they'll just put like a little water bottle thing in the background or something. And it's like, you know, you get like a grand for the thing. And I'm always like, how do I sign up for that? You know what That's I mean? Right. Like I got a f- stupid blue check mark that does nothing for me, you know, like uh-huh. I want some free, I want some Anything. free green beans or something. I don't give a shit. You know, like <laughs> yeah. if I got to put up with daily harassment on the internet, I want to at least get Preach. like some free vegetables out of it or something. <laughs> Come right. on. They could be frozen for all I care. They could be as long as they're frozen. free, bro. I know, it, man. It's interesting. It's the people that do, there are people that it's the like influencer moms that make the cheddar cheese for that kind of stuff. Because yes. like we, my wife and I were talking about a couple of them. There's all, cause now we just had our first kid. Mm-hmm. And so now, Congrats, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. And so now there's all these, all these blogger moms you uh, now notice, and these people have so much influence. Like they'll have half the followers that I do, but their engagement will be like sixty percent of people. Like they'll have a yeah. hundred thousand followers and have eighty thousand people like each one of their posts. And so brands obviously uh, will pay for that. Mm-hmm. New That's followers. Weird. Um, I'm getting so used to all this Twitch stuff. Like I just got this notification in my my thing. Thank yeah, you and then you can follow. shout that person out if they did something cool, like followed you, subbed, or uh, donated, or Elena said, like, Elena S with the follow. Thank you. Too tall DLPs followed. Thank you. Wow. That's this how you is, do, now you now you you just did it, dude. You're you're a Twitch person. Now. I'm literally twitching. <laughs> it's I'm literally that twitching. easy. It's that easy. <laughs> Edward Doe has followed me. Wow. I, I imagine this is because of my guest I have. This isn't because of my Warzone uh, abilities by any means. Nah, they saw those. They saw you frying with that AK dog. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, what I was saying was that these inf- like these blogger influencer moms uh, have so much influence that they can – anything that they say, hey, I use this, 
they can get people to convert mm. into sales. And so the affiliate marketing stuff, these guys, they just print money. Yeah. But for people like us, where it's like, cool, we've got a blue check. People are interested in what we do, maybe. But to convince them to spend money on a thing, maybe a little different. Like the yeah. ask. So like I've got, I've got a bunch of followers, sure. But the just because you have a lot of followers doesn't mean every single one of those are willing to devote dollars to the no. thing of which they are following. No, it, no, no. Uh, I wouldn't pay for most of the people I follow. You know, I mean, I, <clears throat> I, yeah, I follow celebrities and random people just because I like them or I'm interested or I just think I, I, I just burn with jealous hatred and I just want to see their life crumble at some point. No, I'm that's kidding. right. <laughs> but it is, it is interesting to go like, oh, I don't often buy what these people try to sell me, you know, unless it's something that I'm kind of already interested in. Yeah, like The Rock trying to sell you his tequila. It's like, all right, you got a tequila brand because of your name. Probably never going to buy your tequila. I'm sure it's great. Mr. Johnson. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure the tequila is great, but I'm not, I'm probably not going to be like, I, I, same thing with when Conor McGregor put out his own whiskey. I tried it. I said, okay, someone just poured Jameson into this, (laughs) into this bottle of, proper 12 or whatever. Cool. Like I tried it, you know, I still have my favorites that I'll go to and whatever else. If it blew my mind and it was affordable, then I'd be like, I'm going to drink that. Not because it's the celebrities booze, but just because I, I like the taste and it's cool. Yeah, um, it's interesting how like celebrities can influence, like there's clearly a reason they can just get a, a liquor deal like that because there's enough people out there that are willing to buy a thing just because a person said, Hey, buy this thing. Mm-hmm. There's like, no, they're not an authority on what tastes good <laughs> or what is good yet because they're famous. They it's happened. I mean, it, it has influence on me for other things. Like it's just a weird mournful, mournful opossum says this stream sponsored by wicker drawer, <laughs> wicker drawers and a pile of dictionaries. <laughs> <laughs> hey, those aren't, dictionaries that's his own book that's my own self-promoting his own book book. uh we could talk about that later and so i've got 36 viewers right now this is way more than this is more than people that watch you play warzone yeah just barely and people really love to watch me play warzone for you know the people are talking about it and there's not many there's not many people playing warzone right now look at that wow product placement we'll just Y'all, put it like up here there the amount go. i had to pay brian to make that product placement for me is <laughs> yeah speaking of if you want it on the ig it's going to be a lot extra because you know <laughs> that's right that's but right yeah. but anyways i'm sitting here with my buddy brian w foster interesting fact we've never met in person this is the first time we've ever communicated face to face face to face time first time yeah so like where everybody's getting everybody's getting a look into our whole interpersonal experience here yeah we met we met in the dms bro how many years ago now 2019 when did you start this thing march of 2019 yeah good lord somewhere like you know my wife and my parents are so proud of the trajectory i've taken (laughs) over the past two years march of 2019 means that I think I wore the white long sleeve thing at Comic-Con that year, which would have been July. So that would mean it blew up that fast. Oh, within within three or four weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's bananas. And I remember re- stumbling on there when there was like two photos. And yeah. I was like, uh-oh, this isn't going <laughs> to last. Because I knew some of these pastors are repped by CAA and like, 
have teams of lawyers and publicists. I mean, some of these pastors are just as powerful as, um, you know, some of these other Hollywood type people. So it's, it's yeah. really, really I, interesting. I was I was concerned about that at first. It's like, dude, the PR teams are going to come for me. The attorneys are going to – all because I'm just posting the price of their sneakers. Yep. Uh, uh, but it my camera st- – like this is such a budget operation. As you can tell by the wicker cabinets, uh, my camera goes <laughs> in and out of in and out of focus. But anyways, um, <laughs> I appreciated you. had a baby. Leave him alone <laughs> on the wicker <laughs> cabinets for Christ's sake. <laughs> Uh, I I appreciated you wearing that back then because it's like I I had no idea what I was doing. That merch was literally a product of Joel McHale messaging me saying, "Hey, I'm playing in a celebrity Fortnite tournament. Can yes. I wear one of your sweatshirts?" Yes. And I I had no sweatshirts. I had no merch or anything. <laughs> and I was like, "Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, man, for sure. I'll I'll send those." And so I literally started like googling how to make merch. You're on like uh, Teespring or whatever, like yeah. trying to find out, like <laughs> yeah. But you wore it to Comic Con. Yes. Yes. Comic Con's I mean, going to be a thing this year. Oh man, I, not this year because that would be two months from now, and there's no way. I mean, it's raising a lot of questions about a lot of things about conventions, conferences, giant things we used to do. You know, Comic Con's like two hundred something thousand people all crammed into one convention center, and then six bars. And so it's like, you know, you got to get your hotel, you know, eight, eight months, sometimes uh, more in in advance to go. And it's a real crazy thing. So I I don't know how they're going to do stuff like that in the future with, you know, our, our uh, sort of social awareness of how, you know, sickness spreads, even stuff like not COVID, you know, everybody's kind of like, oh, well, that's how the flu just kind of spreads then normally. And so I don't, I don't really know, man. I mean, I, I would love to go to a Comic Con again, um, and and even smaller one like a New York or a Seattle or you know Denver. It's yeah, it's weird to think about even our comfort level with being in big groups like that anymore. Where it's like we would all love, like objectively, we would all love to be able to do that again. Mm-hmm. But now I don't know how long it's going to take for us to not be weird about it. It's like, dude, I am not about to be close to six thousand people after like it. I don't know. I can't. I can't picture going to a concert. I mean, I know because we're so. It's so in our conscious right now. We're just so aware of this thing, and we have it. It's just been drilled into us for over a year. But I, I, it's hard to picture like being in a crammed stadium, like you know, at a packed concert with a ton of. It's just like and just being totally chill. Like this is this feels normal. This yeah. feels normal. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm high fiving these people. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean. I'll pick yeah. up that spilled beer and hand it back to the lady. Let's all you know share. I mean? Let's all share our jewel around. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Pass the joint, man. And the jewel. Let's go. Yeah. I, it's, dude. Poof, puff, puff. Don't pass is going to be the new. It's going to be the new thing. That's right. I, I feel for uh, single people because like a yeah. big part of, you know, getting through the single experience is going out to bars and mingling with people, people, maybe even, you know seeing where everything goes and that's just like a whole new (laughs) set of considerations where it's like it's so much different than online crap where like you have to meet i just feel bad for people that everyone's lying online to some extent you know what i mean like that's the whole point of uh it's the whole point of social media to some degree is to create a separate it's not it's not a fair representation of who we are it's a it's a it's a separation between us it's a layer of separation between me and you 
that can ultimately protect me because I can back out of this thing at any moment. I can mm-hmm. just delete my account. I can do whatever, you know, deactivate whatever, and you're gone. And so is everybody else. And then I can just, you know, so the, so the power is sort of in the individual's hand in that regard, but in how we represent ourselves too. And especially, you know, sometimes with the male species can be a little bit, um, you know, deceiving in how we represent ourselves online. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about like a lot of guys play the nice guy and then they aren't, you know, or they vice versa or whatever. And, you know, it's just like there's fucking predators and douchebags everywhere. But at the same time, you have to just it's so hard to be it's so hard to be a single person and it's so hard to be a young person. Like I was thinking about my fiance and I were talking about this the other day because, you know, we have some nieces and nephews that are getting to be like 13 years old. Social media, if it was around when I was in high school, we'd be screwed. We'd be screwed. Imagine, dude. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. I consider it a uh, blessing from God oh. for me that it was not around because I, I would be so screwed. I can't imagine the, the navigating that's going to have to take place or that is taking place, I should say, in the minds of these kids, the competition the sense of um, all the societal pressure about societal appearance. pressure, appearance, followers, you know, like all of that stuff. It's just it, it's not good for us. You know, yeah. now I you think there's going to be keep making money off of it. But I'm just saying absolutely. as a whole no. for us, we've been able to handle it perfectly. And so we should continue to leverage it for our own personal gain. But for those young people, they should not even try because one thousand percent it'll hurt their brain. It'll you know cause them to go to therapy. But for us, we found a way. Uh, to really compartmentalize well and, you know, honestly become healthier through social media. So that's huge. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm the picture of total perfect. Now, I, you know what I did a while ago that's fun is I was able to turn off. You can turn off like notifications from anyone you don't follow, like on Twitter and stuff. Yep. So now I just see like when my friends are talking crap to me or whatever, you know, I don't have to worry about like the, the daily, uh, the daily you're worthless trolling, you know, and then you just <laughs> yeah. go like, well, well, I can hop on here and check in on what my friends are doing and kind of see, you know, keep up with the world without walking away feeling like absolute garbage. Yeah. Like I just got off the school bus and every single kid was like, oh, are you wearing your mom's shirt today? Oh, so you got those wicker cabinets, huh? So you got those wicker cabinets behind you, buddy. Couldn't yeah. afford nothing from Ikea. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I feel the same. Like there was times where I had all the all the notifications on. Mm-hmm. And it's just as humans, it's too much. And and we're on such a tangent right now. But none of us are equipped uh to be able to handle the input from hundreds of thousands of people all at once and just handle that in a completely healthy way. Well, on like, your page, you've had something different too, which is that you go to bed at night. And when you wake up in the morning, there's 400 people arguing with each other, not with you, just each that have been fighting all night Yep. on your one picture. And then because I'll, I'll comment on something. And then the next day I wake up and I'm like, what did what? I do? And then look and it's like they're talking about like there's capitalism and meth. Oh, and- yeah. And we're deep into <laughs> Levitical law. Um, you know, it's like there's all you're just like, how did this get? 
off a picture of Erwin McManus's leather pants? <laughs> see, see, I used to jump in there with them, just like, oh, drive engagement, let's respond, let's uh-huh. be. But now it, I can't. I physically can't because it's going to suck up six hours of my time, and the only thing I'll be able to show for it at the end is I'm going to be pissed. How do you choose what even to to engage in? You know, Because a lot of the things that I see on your page are typically, it's sort of like from people that aren't like me. <laughs> from people that are upset with you or that they don't like what you're doing, I would say they're uncomfortable with what you're doing. You see the first one, which is very classic Western American uh, Christian hierarchy response, which is obey your leaders. It's not good to question them. God put them in the position they're in. So therefore whatever decisions they must be making are ordained and they're, they're, you know, God has like, God has appointed them. So therefore, you know, if you're questioning them, you're questioning God, which is a really, really, really easy way to sort of gaslight and manipulate people into getting a, you being able to get away with a lot of stuff as a leader. And I, I grew up in mostly mega churches. So I saw this firsthand and I've worked for a lot of these people that are on your page. Oh yeah. I think yeah, I knew that I for a few of them. Yeah. I, I, I was the music guy at Mosaic for a few years there, downtown Los Angeles at the Mayan. Two services every Sunday night, packed full of beautiful people. What they called uh, 98% non-Christians. They would used to say, like, you know, we we had to be really careful about the lyrics and some of the songs we would do because they would say most of the churches, you know, most people that come here are non-Christian, which was not true. Every single person I ever met there grew up in church like me, and they just wanted to go to a place that was like the cool version of church, you know. Um, but yeah, and it's interesting because you get like that hierarchy answer of don't question the leaders that, cause then you're questioning God. Mm-hmm. And then you get people who are like, Oh, you don't own any shoes, Benjamin or Kyle or whatever, Tyler, whatever your name was. At the time. <laughs> <laughs> you have no Nikes, Tyler. <laughs> you know? Oh, are you doing this from an iPhone? Huh? Yeah. 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 That meme, yeah, that meme of um, can't can't participate in something while also uh, calling it out, yeah, and yeah. then and then the other kind of person is typically the person who gets very scared by seeing their pastor or someone that they really like look up to in that position, and so I see those kind of fearful responses more as the people who are like, "Hey, man, why are you doing this?" Mm-hmm. or like. Do you need is, you know, isn't there a better thing to be doing or people calling you cancel culture, which is like not applicable? It's really not applicable. You know, if I mean, if someone's ministry is able to be canceled over my highlighting their shoes, I think that's your ministry is based on a pretty weak foundation. (laughs) No weapon formed against you shall prosper except for an Instagram account with a certain amount of followers. And then you're fucked. Yeah. Everybody, you know, I've, I've heard the full gamut of people like, don't you have something better to do? Like, why don't you, my, my favorite one is these guys will do more in a day than you'll ever do in your entire life. Don't you have anything better to do with your life? I'm like, dude, yes. I mean, I, I, this also took me 30 seconds, so I've got plenty of life left. You know how long it took those pastors to get a book deal versus you, bro, with Thomas Nelson, though? Like, honestly. So part of it is, you know, but I I don't believe that's true, that one of those pastors can do more in a day than you can do in a lifetime. They can do a lot more trauma 
because <laughs> their their influence is so large. You yeah. know, and we saw that with the political landscape the last four years and even yep. even longer. You know, when Obama got elected, the church, I was just coming out of being in the church for 30 years. And it was very the country's turning Muslim. We're all going to be, you know, and it was like, what? Something's not I'm not seeing that. Like, you know, and then you fast forward and then we get the response to that. The evangelical um, the evangelical mind gymnastics that had to be done for Trump was so interesting to me to watch pastors be like, now God can use a donkey so he can use, you know, there's like that kind of thing. And I'm like, right. But why would he, if he has the choice of using way better people, then like, why wouldn't he just do it? You know, it's like, well, he, you know, we didn't pray hard enough and, or it's like, Oh, okay. Or, you know, you get like the QAnon shit, which is very much in the evangelical world too. Like, that's that stuff is most of those like a lot of those deep my friends doing a documentary on it right now a lot of those deep QAnon people they're hardcore believers you know and they believe that like god you know that justice is okay as long as you do it from a keyboard and not um socially you know what i mean yeah it's uh there's so much there's so much there i mean a lot of churches around here in dallas too were very big Trump fans. And so it was just, it was an interesting thing to process through where it's like, you know, from what I know about fruits of the spirit and who Jesus was, this guy is not displaying any of those, but anyways, <laughs> but go to the pastors though, go to even the pastors on the page. Like you think about would did, did Christ or would Christ have flaunted his wealth at all? Not oh no, he didn't have wealth, and he didn't spend any of his time that we know historically accumulating wealth or putting any value in it. Because to him, it was like I'm here and then I'm leaving. So my mm-hmm. mission while I'm here is to do good and to do A B C D and to you know obviously shift the landscape of what everybody thought was true at the time, and you know he wanted to be the fulfillment of all that stuff. And then everybody killed him for it, right? Hmm. And then our response to that is to go, mm, let me focus on these blessings, which is, you know, the car, the boats, the all of the stuff. You know, I tell people a lot, I'd be a very rich man if I never tithed. Like, I would have so much money. <laughs> like, if I had all that 10% of my wealth for 30 years, not wealth, but I mean, like my bank account, 10% of it still. Yeah. But um, it's so interesting, because yeah, we have like, we we have the ex- we have the example there. And then we have the way that pastors are justifying $30,000 outfits and you know, the watches and the cars and the security teams and the the multiple jets the Senate investigations happening. Like, how do you, you know, you can't say that what you're doing with an Instagram account is why aren't those people standing on the steps of the Senate and getting mad at them for investigating these, a lot of these same people, Paula White and whoever else. Yeah. I, you know, I never want to get into the whole, like, uh, well, Jesus would never have an iPhone type discussion because he wouldn't and like Jesus wouldn't have had indoor plumbing all that kind of stuff but I think there is uh I think there was some element of people lost 
in a lot of ways lost sight of what their actual role as as a pastor is. And you know, it it means it's subjective to people because certain people think pastors should be motivational speakers or should be leadership coaches or whatever. I mean, my view is that they should be more invested in uh, Jesus would have an Android. No, no, no. Get that blocked. <laughs> Get him out. Jonah Krylo, you're blocked. Jonah. <laughs> um, it's just an, it's a, it is such a stark contrast contrast though. Like I'm not a legalist. And so, I'm not the type of person that's like, dude, if you actually follow Jesus, you should wear sandals and not have indoor plumbing. Of course not. Yeah. But but I think uh, our calling should be towards humility in a lot of ways, especially if you are leading people's spiritual lives. There should be some element of humility. So it was just What's an interesting the example you're setting. Yeah, for sure. You know, I wrote something down the other day when you told me we we're going to do this, but I don't fucking I'm going to find it. But. <laughs> Uh, real quick, yes. those that are watching that have no idea what's happening, I'm talking to Brian Foster, who is very hard to define because this man does a lot of different things. He uh, is a poet and a musician and a I don't I don't want to call you a talk show host, but you host yeah, some I host shows. A talk show, yeah. You host a talk show, um, a a recap show for Rick voice World. actors that play yes. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> But uh, on top of that, you do, like you said earlier, you do have a pretty intense history with church and mm-hmm. Christianity. And for those that maybe uh, that are f- coming from maybe your Twitch or your Twitter, um, just for people that know me, it's like, I'm a Christian dude. You said you're out of church, just like to set the baseline. And so I'm not here to ever bash Christianity by any means, because I'm part of it. But I also have some serious questions about yeah. how we do it in a lot of ways. And I wrote a book about some of the questions about that um, right there, right there. And, here. It's, and it's not a self-help book. It's a book it's basically not. where I go into the the questions I wrestle with. But I was interested to get you on this pod, this Twitch cast, whatever you call it. Um, yeah, Because one, we're DM friends and now we're real friends. But also – I'm interested in what you do creatively, and I think you have a really good uh, insight into the things that you know and believe. So, thank you, man. Thanks for doing this, man. And honestly, thanks for. I imagine like 48 of the 49 people watching have come from your Twitter, <laughs> so I appreciate we'll the the bump. So um, I'm exposing them to you because the people need to know what's up. Yeah, for people that uh, maybe don't know, you could give could you give us a quick maybe background how you got to where you are today? Because I, mm-hmm. I mean, I did some research. You have an album. You've got a book of poetry. You also mm-hmm. have a very uh, extensive presence on Twitch and in the Dungeons and Dragons world that I know not much about, but I'm interested yeah. in and um, would love to just hear that from you. Yeah, man. I grew up in the Central Valley of California, which is like a farming community. And uh, my dad's been a minister my whole life. He's been a pastor for uh, over 50 years now. Jeez. Him and my mom just had their 50th wedding anniversary, and he was her youth pastor, and that's how they met, even though she's older than him, which is really funny. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he, my dad got hired straight out of Bible college to go be a youth pastor at a church, and uh, there was my mom like a year and a half older than him as <laughs> <This is laughs> one of his uh, youth group kids. And then, yeah, they fell in love. So, yeah, he's been, a, he's been a pastor for 50 years, mostly in the Assemblies of God, and okay. actually, yeah, I think pretty much only, yeah. Uh, my whole life. And so, but as you know, that denomination can still run the gamut within itself of being 
extremely conservative in some churches and extremely charismatic in others. Yeah. Um, and I grew up in a lot of the different types of those extremes, you know, and then, um, after getting a lot, long story short, after getting a lot of pressure to not move to LA and do, you know, pursue what I do now, when I graduated high school at 17, I went to Las Vegas to go to a, a ministry school, like a seminary type thing. Interesting. And that was in Vegas. A, yeah. What's the worst that could happen? Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I found I, I, I checked all the boxes. I, I tried tracking. it all. I'm tracking. It was really interesting because I, I really wanted to come here, meaning L.A. I wanted to, to come here or New York or somewhere and just get out of the small town. You know, being a, in a small town is hard enough. Being in a small town where your dad's a pastor is even worse because not only does everybody know you, but they're always watching you. They're always um, reporting back. You know, it's it's just you're living in a you're living in a glass house. Uh, under magna, uh, magnifying glasses. So it wasn't very fun. Pause. Really yeah, quick. hit me. I think they said the stream crashed. Let me try to uh, let me try to boot this back up. Yeah, it's probably... Oh, I I, we must have got... It, but we're late. We're oh, it says we're back. Can everybody in the chat please let me know if, if you can hear us talking now? Sorry. It's, like I said... It says live. This yeah, is a budget... Looks like it's on. Budget operation. I know. That, my man got headphones yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank okay. It looks like we're back. Thanks to everybody that uh, AirPods in the in the chat. Yeah, people roast me for those AirPods, man, or lack of AirPods. Um, all right, so you yeah. So then um, I went to Vegas, and that that experience was not good. That was a very that was way 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 too far in the extreme. We had, for instance, like we would have to go volunteer at Benny Hinn Crusades. We worked. Um, oh, for real? Oh, yeah. It was that level of like, yeah. And oh. yeah, we had like all of the TBN people come speak. Um, so this was like massive, a televangelist type operation. Yes. This was a bring up, bring up 200 people and knock them all down, you know, the like jacket. the whole. Oh, yeah. Like big, 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 weird, weird shit like that. And I was 17 when I got there. So not impressionable at all. No. And I had seen, <laughs> I had seen some of that stuff in the church, but not much. And so to, to really be like, Whoa, this is a whole other, like, and, and I didn't, I didn't respond super well to it. I kind of mm. went, this seems fake. Like this seems really, really weird. And it was all about money. It was all about status. It was all about separation of church leadership and, and, church members. Uh-huh. Um, the pastor is untouchable, unreachable. He's the celebrity who needs to be um, catered to his every whim. And he has to live in this cocoon bubble where he's protected from all of you dirty sinners in the church so that he can come out and fucking like tell you how to excuse my language anyway, bring it. But you know, it's just, I, you know, and so when I left there, I bounced around uh, my twenties was spent, you know, I like to say doing, uh, freelance research for different pharmaceutical companies. Ah, uh, yes. As a result of, uh, some and you of succeeded. My, I succeeded. Yes. I, I found out which ones helped me. Uh, but yeah, it was interesting. I, I really, I, and I bounced around a lot of different churches in, in central California. And then once I moved down here, 
the first place I went was Mosaic and I was there for about, I want to say like two or three years. Yeah. And what was your posture at the time? Were you searching? Were you burned out or were you, uh, like from the Benny Hinn stuff, like what was your posture towards? I threw all that out when I left all of that. I was like that, that side of, if, if any of this is real, that side of it is, I knew that much for sure, because the closer you get to that world, and the more behind the scenes you start to learn, ooh, it's ugly back there. It's mm. all money. It's all business. Everybody's sleeping with each other. You know, Yikes. they caught Benny Hinn and Paula White in like Paris together or something, you that. know, and like they, they're all, it's all disgusting. It, it's all, you know, and not all, not everyone, but I mean, once you get to that mega big celebrity level, look what just happened to this Justin Bieber pastor guy. Like, I could have told you that guy was probably doing shady shit just based on how fame hungry he was. Yeah. You you would hope that all the pastors in the world could handle all the stuff thrown at them in a completely healthy way. But just the reality is, is that like fame can be fame can corrupt money can corrupt as we know. Let me, my camera is auto focusing. Um, And it just seems like, within Western Christianity, we as people that go to church kind of put these guys in kind of a lose-lose situation where if we treat them as celebrities or like look to them as people that are more anointed or more gifted or whatever, now that they, they have to uphold that view that we hold for them. And Mm -hmm. if they screw it up now we're doubly pissed or their ministry is completely eroded. And so it just doesn't seem like a win-win for anybody to really, seek that out. And I imagine if you asked any, any single one of these guys or girls, they would never say out loud, like I'm in this for fame or I, I'm actively seeking fame. But if you look at it from a macro level, it sure does look like there are a lot of people that are balling out on this Mm -hmm. weird career. That's like, shouldn't be a career to be sought after, but somehow there's a way to turn it into a pretty successful. It is balling out. It is balling out and it's tremendous influence and, the power. and that's the thing. It's power and it's influence. And like a, a pastor flaunting his wealth is not showing an example to his church to put it, he, what he's literally doing is saying, put yourself in your desires first. And because that's what I'm doing, you know, and you'll see like on your page, the people, you know, there's one guy that I think you had posted a thing. And then someone's like, but he gave a million dollars to his church members or something. It's like, yeah, but he kept five for himself. <laughs> so like, that's not the ratio that's supposed to work. You know, when I was a kid and we were in a church of 3,500 people, my dad made $30,000 a year supporting the five of us. And the senior pastor made 150 mm-hmm. and worked two days a week, you know, and my dad was there. And we were there every time the fucking doors were open, you know, and my dad was putting a hundred hour, you know, weeks and still is at 70 year something years old. Um, still grinds just as hard for, you know, little to no money, but it's not about that for him. And it's not that my dad is even one of those people who's like my rewards in heaven. His reward is in the helping people. Mm-hmm. He does. He actually is one of those people. That's what, that's why I get so pissed when I see these charlatans and these other people that abuse their, their platform and that abuse the, their role as a pastor this way, because 
I thankfully, as fucked up as all the stuff I grew up in, my dad was a very good example of what a pastor should be. Yeah. You know, even if he had shortcomings in other areas, you know, I never saw or or worked for or was with anyone who actually was a shepherd in that way. Like my dad was very few pastors had I actually ever like worked for like that. That's what makes me so mad is I'm like, you're, you're not doing this legit. Yeah. It's tough because it, uh, it looks like it crashed again. Uh, somebody said the stream couldn't handle the information about how much Brian's oh, dad yeah. worked. <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I don't ever want to pretend that I'm in a position to say what's too much to make or what's too much to own or whatever. It's impossible for me to say, uh, okay, it looks like we're back. Sorry, y'all. I have no idea what that is. I'm on, your uploads. Your, do you have like fast upload speed? I think so. The streaming I, I, is, I sure pay upload. a lot for it. Yeah. Right. Me um, too. and I'm on a hard line, but whatever we'll, we'll, we'll do it live. If not, I'm recording this. So I'll put this out on the regular podcast. Um, and you can watch there. It should be a full conversation, uh, whenever I get the podcast out there. But anyways, word. um, I don't like, I don't like playing in the whole, like he should, like if he gave away a million dollars, but kept five, he should have kept only one and given away five. It's just like, it's a, it doesn't stop. There's no, like, no, that's too linear of a way to think. I'm no one. I'm no one to say who can have and who can't have whatever. I just think there's some wisdom. If you are specifically in the role of leading people, spiritual lives that you should be like, Oh, like seriously careful about all the messages you're sending. And that includes what you wear, how you present yourself on social, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that's my whole deal. Uh, completely. And, and I think that, you know, you, like the, the least of these, right. Is in Matthew, right? Like yep. the least of these, isn't just about the poor. It's about status and the marginalized. And if our focus is on, you know, I mean, I had, serious issues. I had a lot of issues at mosaic and I, I left, you know, on my own, I resigned and cause you I were the lead, you were the lead, uh, dude. I did music on Sunday nights for a few years. So I was like one of the two people, it was like me and it was like me and, uh, one of Erwin McManus's kids were the uh-huh. two people who would rotate on doing the music. Um, and then I quit after a couple years. Um, Cause I, I was not treated very well. And I was like the fifth or sixth person in my position to resign. (laughs) And then we all kind of got together and shared stories and it was like, Oh yeah, this is bad. And you know, the people, the church is in a time where they have to really reconcile what they're going to do about LGBTQA plus issues and how they're going to, you know, you look at like the Mormon church didn't used to allow black folk, I'm listening in, to you. Until, I'm listening to you. I'm I'm uh, checking out the yeah. uh, uh, stream quality thing just so it doesn't crash. I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm talking to the millions out there listening <laughs> to this right. by podcast. <laughs> okay, go. You know, get on with it. You got it. Um, but no, I was. Well, uh, where was I? I was saying that the fucking you got together and everybody had issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but you you look at like. <sighs> seeker sensitive or whatever. What did it used to be called? Yeah. Like that kind of a model attractional model. Right. And, and several churches in LA do this thing where it's like, come here, 
and God's favor will open doors for you in Hollywood. That's a big part of the culture. It's not spoken that clearly. In some places it is. But it's almost like this, let's get all the Christians in Hollywood together. And then either we just make our own shit because it's too hard to make it out there in the actual business, you know, or we... God's favor will, you know, open doors. So like, which never really made sense to me because I'm like, I thought like you just need to be good or work hard. And like, you know, I don't really know. I, you know, I don't know how many of my job jobs, my fiance got as an actor because of God's favor versus the fact she's just a badass actor who works extremely hard. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, I just didn't really understand that God will open some doors for me that he wouldn't for other people because I was more obedient or like that didn't make any sense to me. Still doesn't. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty, if your theology is based on that transaction, it withers away pretty quickly. once you start thinking about like the rest of the world, because now if, if, if that logic holds true, then that means the rest of the world, those that are living in immense poverty just aren't loved as much by God. Like it's, it's way more complex than that. It doesn't make it that it doesn't make any sense, you know? And then yeah. you have, yeah. And as, as like a Christian that like still profession Christian, I struggle with that whole concept of that. Like I get to sit in America in air conditioning with plumbing, uh, plumbing with clean drinking water. Yes. Uh, Andrew Schultz is it one of my favorite comedians right now. And he has this whole spiel where he talks about like, dude, you do not, give a shit about the poor you take a dump into clean drinking water bro yeah like, exactly. <laughs> and so yeah. like that that uh that really hit me and if you believe that god will bless you just based off your actions or your faith or the money you donate then what does that mean for the rest of the world mm. and that is i still don't i mean i know that's untrue because our a workspace theology is just not a that's not Christianity at all. No, but I know what you mean though. Yeah. If you have a faith that says like, you know, deep down, if we do have a lot of faith, God's going to help me get that promotion or that gig or whatever. Then you also have to contend with how God operates with all these billions of other people in the world that he loves just as much. If mm. you believe that God loves everybody. So that's just something that I wrestle with. That's it's- true though. And you think about like, I was going, I, I remember starting to talk about like, <clears throat> you know, what, what, <laughs> what I was always told, growing up to being told by people like Lou Engle and um, a lot of those guys. Cause I went to a lot of those events, like the call and things like that. When I was, mm-hmm. yeah, when I was 17, we marched on the wall and wash the mall in Washington, DC uh, before the Bush Gore election, they wanted a million of us out there to pray. And we were there for, we had to do 12 hours of prayer on the mall in Washington, DC for God to end abortion or whatever. And we had to repent for, I just remember being 17 years old and having to repent and ask God for forgiveness for like abortion and stuff. And I didn't, I, I had never had an abortion. So I didn't understand why I had to take on, you know, there was a lot of, and this is the very extreme, like, if you ever see Jesus camp, that documentary, Jesus camp, uh, I haven't watched it. Uh-uh. That it's very good, and it's that's that's that'll give you a lot of insight into how I grew up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you had to kind of like ask God's forgiveness for the gay agenda, for abortion, and for all of this stuff. And it was really weird because then, you know, when I left Mosaic, I went the opposite direction, which is I was like, if I'm ever going to go to a church again, which I didn't think I was, I 
I ended up going to a plant, a church plant in Hollywood, uh, run out of like a homeless shelter church, basically. Um, so the opposite from the big flashy, uh, you know, um, off white, off white, uh, produced <laughs> off white church, that's off white church at mosaic. And, and a lot of those rules and a lot of the, you know, a lot of it was presentation is so important. Uh, accountability, not so much as long as the presentation of accountability is there. So when I left, I'm like, give me some bare bones. I want to be with like, I just want to hang out with the people that remind me of me, mm-hmm. which are like the homeless people, the outcasts, the rejects, you know, the, the black sheep. And so I went to this other church, which was everybody's welcome. It was still like, you know, it was actually part of the vineyard denomination, but it was still like, everybody's welcome. We had a lots of trans folks. That's where I met, I met some of my first ever trans friends was at that church. Hmm. And I met so many amazing people that just live on the streets in Hollywood. And that we all sort of, and this church became like a, it was just such a weird Petri dish of so many different people. And I stayed there until I stayed there until I turned 30, which is about eight, nine years ago. And that's when I left and kind of walked away from the whole thing altogether. But it was, it, there, there just became after 30 years of, you know, most people retire after 30 years of something. And I guess I did. I went like, <laughs> well, I gave him 30 years of my life and I can't seem to find any place where I'm not at odds or at friction with fundamental things that are happening here. So it's probably better for me to just like figure this out on my own. You know what hmm. I mean? If that makes sense. And so that's where you are currently in your <laughs> I, I don't know Faith what I situation. am. Man. I guess I'm like an agnostic. I definitely am not like there's no God. There's no like I'm not like that. You know, I I, I think anyone anyone who claims, um, you know, finality of knowledge in any realm, I, I really question. But to me, it's more hmm. of just I it doesn't even have to do with my bad experience in the church. For me, it was like there's just things that I can't. I, I struggled and still do to reconcile. And it's like, people go, well, I've seen it. That's how I believe it. And I'm like, well, I've seen so much on this end. That's why I believe what I do, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, uh, I, I know there's a lot of people in the, in the same vein of thinking because it is hard to reconcile some of these things, especially when you grow up in a, in a, in an environment where it's like, this is accepted as fact and you will accept this as fact no matter what. And you don't even get the chance to wrestle with some of those things where mm-hmm. it's like, this is, this is harder to think about than you guys are making it out. Like this isn't, doesn't seem as cut and dry as y'all are making it seem. Um, and I think there's going to be a time coming and it's happening already where people are going to get fed up with the production. And somebody said masks in here. Um, mm. And people, cause people appreciate authenticity, even if it's, even if it's uncomfortable authenticity or if it's like, raw to the point of like, Ooh, this, I don't know how to feel about this because it doesn't serve anybody to be, to put on a show in terms of things as serious as your faith or the things you believe in. And I'm hoping that more and more people push for that within their churches. Like if you go to a church that is super produced and is really comfy and everything, I yeah. hope people start asking questions around there. Like, Hey man, like what are we really trying to communicate here? Like following God isn't a comfy thing. And it calls you to put yourself in kind of uncomfortable positions. We need to be able to be real about that and not just like, hey, God's here to 
give me a job promotion or a Lambo or whatever. I mean, those are extreme things, but like the but theology brother, is based. So many people who believe that and that's what sucks. Yeah. So, well, we have uh, gone. I haven't asked you a single question uh, so? <laughs> about, about what I was planning on asking you. Let's go. We're having fun. Yeah, this is super fun. And you did this. You took us here. So go, I didn't. Um, so uh, this is such a hard transition because it's such an interesting. We could talk about this stuff forever. I mean, I could tell you've thought if you about want to ask about my workout regiment. There's there's, just, there's no way to transition. You just have to flat out. Your triceps are very distracting. Well, this is a small, this is a shirt. You know, I was, I was smaller when we first met, you know, pre COVID, huh? It's one of the OGs here. This is one of the OG shirts. Not many people have that shirt. I don't even think I have that shirt. I do. Uh, yeah. And I like that shirt actually, but I couldn't fit in a small. That's for sure. Uh, I I have a new one too, but it's, it's dirty because I wore it the other day. Oh, thanks for wearing it, man. It's interesting. The only places that, uh, I've heard from others where they've gotten feedback about, the shirts have been in LA. Oh, like I, I have several friends that would wear the shirts down the street in random LA and, and multiple people would stop them. And it's yeah. just interesting how that town the, has got, uh, the opinions. hoodie. I've got the hoodie with the, you know, the big letters on the, uh, the arms. And uh-huh. I've had, I've had one person be like, Oh, the IG account. Yeah. What's up? You know, I'm like, what the fuck? that was a, that was a while ago. And then one other person just asked me what it was like, what does that say? Preachers. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's an Instagram account. It's like, um, you know, kind of calling out, you know, how like preachers wear like flashy clothes and stuff. And then this guy is like, yep. I'm like, yeah, well, you should check this out because uh, it would blow your fucking mind. It's it's weird how it's like that's a universal topic that most people have something to say about, even if they're not in a church context. Mm-hmm. And like, they've be- seen it. It's part of the culture now. And you be- see like it's hard to tell. Dude, one time a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Somebody posted this thing about some church did this crazy video wall with like water. Did you see this where like the floor was water and the pastor came out and it was like some 360 like Mandalorian video? It was Mike Todd. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're doing this whole thing and they're like, how much money, you know, like, is this necessary? And like this giant thing. And I was like, oh, my God, this looks like give that to us to film. You know, we could have filmed like 10 seasons of a show that <laughs> bring a lot more joy and comfort to the world than this guy's dumb sermon, but which was, you know, whatever. And then not dumb. I don't, I didn't hear the sermon, but, and then one of my best friends that I went to school with in Vegas when I was a kid, we're still on a text chain with a bunch of us. He is the head AV guy for that church now, apparently. And oh, really? did this, He's like, guys, look what I did this weekend. And he's sending us all of these videos of like them doing this video wall thing. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to feel about this because yes, it's a waste of money. B, it's something my friend worked on that's I'm very proud of him, but I also wish it's like, I wish he worked here. I wish he uh-huh. worked for me doing that or for someone else versus like a church spending that amount of money and resources and time for an object lesson yeah when i was a kid we had we had little felt things like this flag (laughs) and you put the little felt mary and the felt joseph and you went this is how it happened you know you didn't have a goddamn production like britney spears in vegas popping off for a 20 minute sermon but it's for the gram bro it's for youtube it's it's in they're influencers now they're not pastors it's interesting. Colton Barnaby says it only cost them $400. They broke down the expenses for the rain thing. I'd be interested to see how they did that. 
Someone else. Uh, actors criticize rich pastors is just weird to me. Wait, who's the rich actor? I wish I was a rich actor. I wish I, I was wish an actor. I was rich or an actor. Those don't have to be mutually exclusive, the, but shout out to whoever that was. The uh, the hey, fact that it's hard well, to distinguish between... Sorry, <laughs> rich actor. Yeah, uh, the fact that it's hard to distinguish between two idiots and uh, the role of two idiots and the role of a pastor means that we need to maybe dig into this even a little more because that's I I mean here I hear that all the time about like if if you think a pastor is just an influencer or a motivator or whatever then you should get mad at us even talking about this but if you think a pastor's got a specific role then you have to acknowledge that the specific role comes with different standards. I mean, there's mm-hmm. m- multiple verses in the Bible that call leaders to be uh, held to a higher standard. But anyways. <laughs> no, it's true. And the thing is, is like if it, taking it, let's go just completely abstract with it. If Mor- I'm Mournful a guy- Opossum said Brian can't even afford a sh- shirt that fits. <laughs> Dang, dude, that's so true. Oh, man. Anyways, Um, all right. (laughs) Next time I'm wearing like the big hoodie. No, what I was going to say is it's interesting because if the pastor's role is to be the guy who says, look at Jesus, and then all of us are like, look at this guy. How cool is this guy? And he's like, no, 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 no. Look at Jesus. And then we're like, yeah, yeah, but you're awesome. And I love the way you're telling us to do that it becomes about that thing. And it doesn't become about, you know, like, even though I don't subscribe to it anymore in the same way that I, I have such a defensive heart towards pastors because my dad is a very good one. I have a defense towards the Christian faith, even though I don't subscribe to it anymore, because I believe that it can and will do good in the world. If it, if, if, if the tight hands of the Joel Osteen's, and the other charlatans, the, the Irwin McManuses that are selling $3,000 jackets when he hasn't even paid back the investors from his previous failed businesses, like, you know, and that's not liable. Try suing me, bud. I got better lawyer than you do. And I got emails too. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, you literally can't say like Christianity is going to be fine as long as it's in the hands of people that are making it about them. Because the more it's about them, the more it's about control, the more it's not about what do we do about gay people? It's not about is abortion the defining moral element of our time in which every election should be decided on as far as evangelicals go. No, but we can't wrestle with these larger issues if we as a society are caught up in celebrity worship ourselves. You hear these pastors talk shit about Hollywood and say the idols that every, you know, when you stop worshiping celebrities and stop worshiping these idols, it's like, well, what are you doing, dog? What are you doing? You're posting the same kind of thirst trap shit on your Instagram. You're posting the same. I'm on my boat. I'm out here chilling with my money and all my stuff. And like, I'm, you're living the gram life too. So don't tell me, you know, you, I'm just saying, man, just saying. <laughs> You can see how sneakers can get people real fired up about uh, things much deeper. Straight, <laughs> man. I, uh, I, uh, this, the chat is going wild now. You're getting everybody fired up. <laughs> uh, you know, this is good engagement one one way or the other. Man, I appreciate your perspective on this because it's uh, not many people have been have had the whole trajectory that you have in terms of getting exposure to like the biggest names in 
you know, televangelism and celebrity pastor nation. What is it? I mean, let's let's change gears a bit. As I, I mean, I yeah. basically have to let you go here in a few minutes. Yeah, you're um, good. What about the stuff you're involved with right now? Because I, I don't know a ton about you other than what we've talked about over Instagram over the phone already. Yeah, and you, you're a hard man to research because you've got uh, like 42 different concurrent things going on. <laughs> so what would like when somebody asks you what you do? What do you do right now? Yeah, so weekly I host a talk show for Critical Role that most people, that's what I'm, you know, I do a lot of stuff where I'm not out there, you know, some stuff uh-huh. I'm out there and some people think that, you know, the stuff that you do online is kind of the only thing you do. And for me, it's like, that's the tip of the iceberg and the rest is sort of offline. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, I kind of didn't really know what I was getting into when I signed up for this talk show, but I'm glad <laughs> I did because I've made a lot of friends and it's been really fun. Um but mostly during the day I write, uh, I have two writing projects right now that I'm working on. One of them is a feature film. The other one's a TV series that's, uh, animated. And then that's not the critical world animated series. They couldn't afford me. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not rich, dude. That guy's in the chat still talking shit. Um, but, and then, uh, I'm working on two albums back to back right now that one I started before quarantine and one I'm doing that's sort of like a quarantine um, digital project. So, uh, and then a couple of other, I don't know, man, there's some stuff I can't talk about. There's just, you know, there's always stuff that's like, nothing is real until it's real, right. you know? And so all of this could just go away tomorrow. That's kind of the, that's kind of what this person in the chat that thinks I'm like rich and out of touch doesn't understand is that like, you live, you don't, you know, you don't really get paid until you make another thing and then sell that thing, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's like one of my friends asked me the other day, she's like, I still don't understand how you make money. I'm like, well, you have to write something and then sell it. And then someone pays you for it. And then if that thing gets made, you make even more money, but that's, you know, one in 10 million or whatever. So you're working a lot towards something that may happen or may not. But even then, if I'm making an album, 10 people may listen to it. 10 million may listen to it. I have absolutely no idea. It's not going to stop me from making the record because I want to make the record and it's important to me. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Not many, there's not many Jennifer Aniston's out there that are like just reaping royalties mm-hmm. uh, year after year for stuff that they did 30 years ago. Like most of the creators out there, I assume are, are like you where they're always working towards a thing and there's, you know, feast or famine. Yes. In a lot of ways. Yeah. And I hustled, man. I mean, I've had to for years. I mean, I made that joke about my lawyer, but I don't have an agent manager. I don't have any of that stuff. I have a lawyer because as a writer, as you know, contracts are how you get screwed for the rest of your life. So you have to have somebody go like, you have to pay someone, you have to pay someone to make sure you're getting paid. You know, you're not getting screwed. Like literally it's the, it's a level of, uh, it's a level of smart protection. So, but yeah, I mean, my first job in LA uh, was at a porta potty company, and then oh, wow. that's when I was at Glamorous. Mosaic. When I was doing music at Mosaic, yeah, I was uh, I was in Orange County working at a porta potty company, and then because I remember asking for gas money, and they said no, and then <laughs> I asked for gas money one time in like two years, and they were like, nah, because I was making like you know eleven dollars an hour or whatever. My Jeez. rent was like eight hundred. I shared a bedroom with, or I shared an apartment with three other, a two bedroom apartment, three other guys. It was like 800 bucks a month for my share. And then wow. I went from the porta potty company to a trash company. 
And I sold, I went door to door selling dumpsters in the, in the Valley up here. Um, I did that for a while. I did a lot of really like weird jobs. And then I got into post-production and started, that's when I started doing like post-production stuff. And then I went to work for Netflix for a little while. And then, uh, on the visual side, on the post-production side. Yeah. Yeah. How did you, you just Googled that, like YouTube, that stuff. Like, no, I, I, <laughs> I, when I was at the trash company, I was really sick of doing these like shitty jobs, like trash company and, you know, porta potty, not that they're shitty jobs, but they were just like, I wasn't going to go anywhere as a young man working in those, you know, these yeah. office jobs. It was just like a dead end job. It didn't matter what the, what the thing was. So I went to a temp agency to see if I could get a different job and they did a whole bunch of tests. Like I had to do all these like computer literacy tests and all this shit. Well, I'm not old, so I did fine on the computer tests or whatever. So they were like, well, we have an opening at this post-production company just doing paperwork. So I started doing paperwork and then I just ended up moving my way up to distribution and stuff like that. And then left there and that is the most LA Hollywood story ever. Yeah. I I saw a tweet earlier. It's like all comedians ever that got on SNL. It's like, yeah, I drew a picture of a cat and somehow SNL hired me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was, I worked at a porta potty company and then I started working at Netflix. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, there was a five years between there of, yeah, of, of smaller post houses, but yeah, it was, it's funny. One of the places I worked, it was a really hard job for me, really tough bosses, tough business, really, really, really hard job. Um, is across the street from where we shoot our critical role shows now. And the dumpster that we have at the studio is from the trash company I used to work for. So every day... A little bit of poetic justice. Well, it's just like, (laughs) for me, it feels like just gratitude. Like, Uh I pull up to the studio in my crappy Prius to the guy in the chat who thinks I'm rich. I show up in in my pussy wagon... As my he's fiance apo- calls he's a, it. He's adamantly apologizing to you now, though, because he's, oh, he's, he's, he's a critical role fan. Oh, he well, he had no idea who I was. If he's a critical role fan, that makes perfect sense. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're good, dude. You're good. We're good. Um, sue you for libel, but I'm so racial. That, he's, oh. he's got a great lawyer. His lawyers are the best. <laughs> no, but then, um, yeah, where are we at? I got distracted by the troll. Uh, we were, we were no, talking about We were talking about your... Um, progression well we were talking about all your different jobs and then you were talking about working at netflix and then um that's where you were going i think more importantly before we have to go you should burn through the list of questions that you have for me though okay well i wanted to ask about uh critical role and twitch to begin with yeah like what's the deal with dungeons and dragons like for those that are not from the critical role stream and or from maybe my follower base, like it's very easy to clown people that play Dungeons and Dragons, yep. but you have this immense following and like hoopla around this show. Uh, do you mind just like breaking it down? Absolutely. Did minute? you grow up like I did where D and D, if it was mentioned, it was like no go, it's evil, like satanic panic type thing. Yeah. yeah. Not to an extreme level, but we never played it. Yes. Yeah. So I not only was there, not a single person in the little town I grew up in that I ever heard of play D and D, but it was so far, like it was very much devil worship and like satanic rituals is what I was told it was. It was not like stay away from that. It's like a Ouija board and it's just weird and witchcrafty. It was very much like 
I thought D and D was like blood sacrifices and like all <laughs> kind. I, I was like terrified. Oh, it's moving. Oh, who's moving? Yes. It? Yes. What is this? <laughs> I had no idea. And so what's really funny is over the years, you know, you run into people who would talk about it, but you're like, Oh, that's so whatever. <clears throat> and I just thought of it as an eighties thing. I didn't think yeah. anybody still played it. And then when Ashley, my fiance and I got together back during the uh, Reagan administration, <laughs> um, she got invited to go play D and D with what is now the cast of critical world, a bunch of other friends of ours and voice actors and stuff like that. The voice acting community in LA is a very small group of people. So everybody kind of knows each other and they decided to do a birthday like D and D game for one of the guys. And um, that turned into a regular just game of once a month. They all got together and played. I started playing in a separate game because I was like, well, this isn't because Ashley kind of grew up like I did, which was like satanic panic. And then she was like, it's not at all like that. It's super fun. And it's actually like, and I was like, really? That's so cool. I, I never even looked into it because I just was told it was so bad. And then eventually later, word got around that these voice actors were playing a game and somebody wanted to stream it. And they started streaming it thinking this will last, you know, and who wants to watch this? And then uh, here we are, you know, five years later and uh, five, six years later. And, you know, it's a whole company now with you know, a whole lot of people and a whole lot of, um, a big reach. We have a foundation. We started our own charity that's kicking ass. And, um, my fiance runs that with a few other people. And, you know, now we're just like, now we're trying to just really, really, really make a difference, you know? I think and it's all, it's all based around voice actors playing D and D the whole company, the so whole platform to explain to people. It's so hard to explain to people like people that just don't have a clue, you know, like, I mean, even just like we just moved recently and had to have some, you know, like emergency plumbing or electrical when, you know, it's something you know happens and you have a guy come out and it's like, what do you do? You know? And you're like, Oh, <laughs> what is the fastest point A to D to tell this per? You know what I mean? Like, Lord, it's hard. I had a hard enough time explaining it to my grandmother, you know, like, yeah, um, like, uh, I'm a poet. Dang yeah. That's no better. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's, now it's like, you know, it's, it's a very D and D is an analog game in a digital world. You have to sit around it. You don't have to, you can do it virtually, but mostly you sit around a table with friends. The games are hours long. There is you know, high emotions, you get very invested. Some campaigns can last for 20 years. You know, I know people that have been playing in the same D and D game since they were kids. That is bananas. It can go on forever. I mean, we did 150 episodes of the first 115, something like that episodes of the first campaign of critical role. The second campaign now is on 130 something episode. And those are four hour, pretty much like four hour episodes. So wow. Are not only, you know, our fan base, the critters, you know, they they commit to that many hours of spending time with us a week, like plus my talk show, which is an hour. That's a crazy level of commitment from them. But yeah, as we hear all the time and see they people love to just watch friends hang out and have fun and play games together. That's why Twitch mm. is so popular. That's why, yeah. especially during lockdown and all this people have just had so much more fun watching stuff online and being online because 
it just gives us a break from our mundane lives, you know? Yeah. I want to try it. I mean, it, it sounds like all the, the, it's weird how hard it is to have an experience where you're not on your phones or in front of a screen with your people. Like even yep. mo- most interactions you're, you're at least have your, f- I don't know. It sounds really refreshing to, to sit around with your homies without a screen and without a, any like desire to like, got it. Y'all are filming this, mm-hmm. but in the moment you're not trying to post a thing. You're not trying to, you're just trying to hang. You really don't even, you really forget about when you're playing. It's too immersive to remember you're on camera for the most part. I mean, it's, it's, that's, what's so great about the game is it's, you're all there. You're all focused on each other. You're all focused on it's group improv storytelling. It, there's nothing really else like it, you know? And yeah. And you, and then the dice are the chaos element that decide whether or not what you want to do work or not. And so a lot of it is just about bloop. uh, No, I don't do that. (laughs) Or bloop. Yes, I do do that. You know? And so it's, it's fun, man. It's addicting. I I think, uh, you know, if you and your lady come out this way, we'll get you, we'll get you in a game and you'll be, you'll be hooked, man. Would love to, and would love to meet your fiance who I'm a huge fan of by way of uh, playing The Last of Us. The People last don't of know. Us. Uh, I mean, I imagine she's involved with a bunch of other stuff, but what I know about her is that she voiced one of the main characters for The Last of Us, which is yes. super dope because that's one of the best video games uh, out there still, to me, story-wise. Um, it is, and she's... She, she just... I've never seen anybody put more into a project than she did that one. And what's so crazy is she filmed it over four and a half years, you know? The wow. first game. The second game yeah. took about six. Jeez. But, so you I would have preferred to have her on the podcast instead of you, man. Oh, dude, honest. she's so much more interesting. <laughs> but yeah, you think about going to work on something once every three months and getting back into that character for two days and then waiting six months, go back in. It's hard. Yeah, that's weird. It's that would be hard she, like on your psyche, I think. Yeah. Yeah, she earned those awards, man. I'm proud of her. I love that, man. All right, well, I'm going to let you go. I know I've, I've, your time is very valuable, and I've taken more of it than I intended to. But for those that the are – best, man. Dude, I, I appreciate you doing this. It's really fun to finally meet you in virtual, in person, whatever. Um, for those that maybe don't follow you now, how can people find you on the interwebs and all that? Oh, it's better not to, to be honest. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They should I'm, really take your accounts away from you. Yeah, it's kind of pointless. I'm Brian W. Foster on Twitter and Instagram and on Twitch, um, launching my new Twitch channel very soon. I'm very excited. So, Oh, sweet, man. Well, uh, props to you for that and, uh, you know, hope it crushes. I hope you can leverage the critical role fan base to build your own. Let's drop Superstore, bro. Let's drop Super. Uh, no, for real, send me your Activision I will, ID. I will, I will. I got to find all the numbers afterwards. Yeah, heck yeah. Man, I appreciate you doing this and thanks to everybody Thank that brother. stuck around. I mean, we we've been doing we've been at this for like uh an hour, an hour and 15, hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. And people have short attention spans, but there's been some people here from the beginning. So, Not for uh, this potency, man. Buy this man's <laughs> book. Available buy, everywhere books are sold. That's right. Buy my book. Follow me on Twitch. And uh, because Twitch, as of now, is the only fun part of social media right now for me. It's like, this it is. is. I, Twitch is way more fun than all this other stuff that I do. So, it actually um, is. Welcome. Yeah, absolutely. All right, y'all. I'm going to end the stream now. Appreciate y'all. Thanks, Thanks for, for the watching, engagement. Dan. Peace. Listen. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.